uh, we are embarking on the journey that we call love, dating, and relationships. Uh, we talk about this each year. If you were here last year, you're like, oh, great, not this again. Uh, but we talk about this each year because we feel it is really important. And let's be honest, love and dating and relationships is on all of your minds anyways, right? If all of us had to be honest, if you are single in this room, you have come more than likely ready to mingle, all right? And, uh, <laughs> and it, it is on our minds, right? You guys are at the age, 18 to 25-year-olds. Most of you, if you are not already married, will more than likely statistically be getting married within the next five years. <laughs> Some of you are like, woo <laughs> So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> For me, Steve, really? <laughs> Don't give me that look, Jesse. <laughs> there's somebody out there for you too, man. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. <laughs> No, stay here, stay here. Uh, yeah, so relationships is on our minds, right? Uh, it's hard. Every movie, every show that you watch, you'd be hard-pressed to, to, to find a show or a movie or a story that does not have a relationship involved with it in some way. Why? Because it is always on our minds, all right? And that's why we talk about this. We do not talk about this so that Chi Alpha would become a dating service. That is not why we are here. Chi Alpha does not exist for you to find your future spouse, uh, though sometimes that is a perk of this ministry, uh, but it is inevitable during this stage of your life. That made me mad. All right. So uh, so what, what we're going to be doing, uh, we come from a lot of different backgrounds in this room. Uh, maybe you grew up your entire life in church. Maybe this is like the first uh, faith function event that you've ever really been to. What we're going to do is we're taking the approach towards love, dating, and relationships uh, based off of what the Bible has to say about love, dating, and relationships. Believe it or not, the Bible is the greatest guide that we have to relationships in the entire world. All right? Say, Steve, how do you – I've never heard Jesus talk about what to do on a first date. Well, uh, Jesus may not have talked about that, but Jesus taught us how to love people and love people well. And Jesus taught us that true love, the way true love looks, is actually uh, totally and completely selfless. It does not have an ounce of selfishness inside of it. And I will tell you this, that the number one source of every single relationship problem is selfishness. The number one source of every fight Every reason that you ended a relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend, the reason that a thing didn't work out, the, the reason that a marriage ends in divorce is because somewhere along the lines, people let selfishness get in the way. And the beautiful thing about God's word is that it's all about living life without selfishness. It's all about laying down your life for your brother and sister. And so that's how the Bible can become the greatest dating advice book on the place of the planet. Make sense? All right, perfect. All right, so if you have your Bible with you, I'm going to have you turn open to 1 Corinthians 13. And if you've ever heard this, uh, you probably have heard this uh, passage at a wedding, if you've ever been to a wedding. Speaking of weddings, there are, f I think there's four people and four couples engaged in here. Raise your hand if you're engaged. Your, your significant other isn't here. I'm sorry. Uh, it still counts. Yes, it still counts. Good. We had like three couples get engaged over Christmas. Um, 
When, when Aaron and I, the, our last summer in Fargo, you can believe this. Uh, our last summer when we moved up from Fargo, North Dakota, to Plant Chi Alpha, our last summer in Fargo, we were invited to 21 weddings as college <laughs> pastors. All right? Uh, so this is why we talk about this. We did not go to all of them. We didn't go to every single one. Because we moved here. Uh, but, yeah, this is why we talk about this. So 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Let's talk about love. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Everyone say self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So what can we draw from this scripture today? Uh, we are spending three weeks on love, dating, and relationships. Tonight is all about getting rid of your selfish self, working on who you are as a person before you even think about dating, okay? So this is kind of like the, the before. This is, this is about you. But here's what we want you not to do. We do not want you to check out tonight if you are already dating someone because I believe that God wants to do things in your hearts as well, all right? How many people know that we're no one's perfect, okay? And so we can all learn things. And I believe God's going to uncover some things and heal some things tonight in our hearts because God's number one, long before God wants us to have a spouse, he wants us to be healthy in our identity in him. So that's what we're talking about. So we have six questions that we should ask ourselves before we even think about dating tonight. So go ahead, Kelly. The first question is, do I understand Jesus' love for me? Um, in 1 John 4.19, it says that we love because he loved us first. And so I think in order to actually like know how love looks like biblically and not how our culture says it is, um, we need to understand God's love for us. And we need to, we need to live out of that because if we only are capable of loving because he loves us first, then how are we supposed to know how to love if we don't know him? We need to redefine what love like actually looks like because obviously our culture does not have it right. Um, in 1 John 4, 8, it says that God is love. So getting to know him, like I said, getting to know him is how we find out that definition. So one of the things that, that Aaron and I tell people is that if you have not allowed Jesus to show you what real love is, you will always settle for what you think love is. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. If you do not let Jesus show you what true love is, you will always settle for what you think love is. And I guarantee that what you think love is is a far, 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 far distant second to what true love looks like through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you this. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we're going to have an opportunity at the end of this service for you to dedicate your life to him, make him the Lord and Savior of your life. And I believe he wants to reveal his love to you in a real and raw and honest way. And sometimes we can be serving Jesus and we still don't understand his love. And then we have a problem too, right? We think that, well, God is kind of this big, distant guy that is constantly just trying to He's always out there to just kind of rob me of my joy and all of my fun. Uh, and that is a misunderstanding of love. We see in 1 Corinthians 13 that what does love do? Love protects, mm -hmm. right? 
And so sometimes we misinterpret the protection of God with a rule and a regulation that we just need to like blindly follow. But God says, no, 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 there are things that I have commanded you to do, not because I want to steal your joy, but because I want to give you joy unspeakable. Okay? And so we have to understand that about God. We must trust his love. So not only do we need to know his love, but we need to trust his love and trust that his ways are much higher than our ways. Okay? Uh, And this is kind of the root of everything we're going to be talking about. And it leads us to our, our second question. So go ahead. The second question is, is my self-worth in Christ or is it in the person that I'm pursuing? I think we need to ask ourselves, like, is a relationship a need in our life or is it just a want? And if it's a need in your life, if you find yourself like, I can't not have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, there's something seri- like, there's very something wrong with that. It should never be something that we absolutely need because our, our identity should be found in Christ, because I think our world believes that two broken people make a whole person, and that's very, very untrue. When Steve and I got married, we brought every bit of garbage in our life into our relationship, and we were two people that had garbage. And so I think we, we live with this misconception that if I just had a relationship, everything would be better, and it, that's not true. And so I just want to encourage you guys that really be honest with yourself. Is this a need in my life or is it a want? Yeah. I think there's ways to identify if you are in a need of a relationship versus the want. All right. So what do we mean by this? Well, sometimes there are gaps in your life that you're trying to fill with that other person. If you find security because, oh, he's going to be a doctor. That'd be really nice to have all that money yeah. going after him, right? Uh, if we find a finan- if we feel like we're leaning on a financial need, if we feel like all of a sudden I just feel better about myself when I wake up in the morning now that I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you've identified that there's a gap there, that you are placing a need on that other person. Sometimes it'll go so far, so distant as like you maybe have come from a broken home and they come from a really healthy home. And you're actually more in love with their family than you are with them. Because there is a brokenness and a need for family and restoration inside of you. And you're actually drawn to them because of the healthiness of their family. I've seen that happen. If you are someone who, uh, uh, if you have to be with another person constantly, you have a significant other in this room and you guys can't get separate, you're like attached at the hip. It tells me that you are in need, not just in want, okay? If you have, like, lost all of your friends and don't hang out with anybody anymore, how many people have friends like that, you know, that, like, disappear, they fall off the face of the planet, you know, they're like, wait a minute, where the, well, that is because they entered a relationship with a need versus just with a want. There was something that Jesus wanted to make them whole in that they were drawing from that other person. If you are in a relationship and you have control issues, you're wondering if who that person's talking with and who they're texting and who they're Facebooking, what they're doing in the middle of the night and, and where they're at and the whole nine yards. Well, what that tells me is that obviously there is a need issue instead of a want. Uh, one of the things that I love about Aaron, my, my, if you ask me, what is your favorite quality of Aaron? Hands down, 
far and away. I know all of you would think that it would be her drop-dead awesome beauty, you know, which is a really awesome perk that I have in my life. It's really cool. But the one thing that I love about Erin the most is that she loves Jesus more than she loves me. See, Erin is a comp- – the reason I was so attracted to Erin is because she was a whole and complete person before I even met her, before I even started to pursue her. And to me, that is the most incredible, most important quality. Why? Because Steve can tend to be a scumbag sometimes, all right? Just vulnerable moment here. And there are times that I let Aaron down very significantly. But what's incredible is that I know that I am not all of Aaron's world, and I'm okay with that. And if, we, if I walk through rough stuff, if something's going on, if something is going on in my life where I'm not able to be like Superman husband that day, I know that Aaron is, has Jesus and that because she draws from Jesus, she is going to be able to continue to walk with God and have him be the most important thing in our lives, right? Which helps and vice versa, right? This is how, this is the number one way that we deal with conflict. This is the number one we, the way we deal with stress. This is the number one way we deal with junk that goes on in our family and pain and hurt and death and disease and all this other stuff. I'm so thankful that Aaron isn't 100% dependent on me and I'm not 100% dependent on her because eventually we would start to try to draw from something that's not there and conflict would start. Before Aaron and I met each other, uh, she was part of a discipleship uh, program that... uh, while you're in the discipleship program, they did not allow dating. And it, she was in there for two years, okay? So as soon as, as soon, and it was like, you were like 19 and 20, right? Okay. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So, uh, so like everybody, it was so funny because they didn't allow dating in this like discipleship program, but it's the ultra holy, right? But like everybody had someone on the shelf waiting for them when they got out, <laughs> all right? Like, so, uh, <laughs> I can't date until Thursday. <laughs> I'll meet you at the movies, right? So, like, everybody had a guy on the shelf, and the Lord spoke to Aaron and said, Aaron, I want you to remain single for another year. <laughs> <laughs> and so all of her friends got on this program, and they're like, woo yeah, freedom! And they got, went out and started dating, and she just stayed single. It was, uh, a year was up, what, what was the date? May 7th. May 7th. We met on May 19th. And uh, I saw what I wanted and I went after it, man. We, uh, (laughs) I took Aaron on our first date on May 24th and uh, the rest is history, right? But I'm so thankful that Aaron was obedient because, and if Aaron had a need for a relationship, she says, I need a boyfriend. There's no way we would have been married today. There's no way I'd be, I'd be standing up here next to the most incredible woman in the entire world because, because, of, because of the fact that she would have had to have been in a relationship. But because it was a want, she was willing to be obedient to God. Can I just say something about that? Yeah. So I think— Are you going to tell him the wait was worth it? <laughs> it was so worth it. <laughs> just kidding. I think sometimes it's super easy to wait when there's no opportunities, but then when the soonest— like opportunity pops up you're like oh that probably is God because he looks nice or she looks great you know but it's like there were opportunities within that year and I am so thankful that I listened to God because I wouldn't be here today if 
Like, I look at some of the opportunities, and I wouldn't, like, I'm just so thankful because it would not have been good. I guarantee I wouldn't have been in ministry. I know I wouldn't be in Alaska looking at all of you guys, and, and that, like, breaks my heart to think about. And so if you feel like God's, like, putting on your heart, just wait. Please listen to him. Don't just jump for the first person that you see that looks eligible because God has something for you if he's called you to wait. Yeah, amen. Third point, third question is this. Instead of looking for the right one, am I becoming the right one? Okay, who has, um, don't raise your hand, but who's like made that list of qualities that you want in your spouse? I had a friend growing up (laughs) that she made this like incredible list of qualities, but I'm pretty sure it was just based off of one guy that she liked. And so it was like, he must be 6'3 and blonde hair, blue eyes. And seriously, no one else in the world is going to fit the description that she made. And so anyway, (laughs) um, anyway. That's not what we're, like, talking about. But I do encourage you to make a list of, like, negotiable things that you really value, but, like, also non-negotiable. Like, one of mine was that he absolutely loves Jesus and pursues God. And that was evident in Steve's life. So anyway, but also looking at that list, don't just leave it at what you want in a future spouse. Think about, am I somebody that that future spouse that I'm dreaming of would actually go for? Like, is the, are the qualities that they would be looking for found in me? And make sure that they are. Look at, I want to be this type of future wife or this type of future husband. And look at that in your life and see, are you developing those qualities or are you just developing a list of what you want? Yeah. Set a high standard and then become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Mm. All right? Mm. Digest that one. All right. <laughs> I really think it's so important to make sure that you and your character and your walk with Jesus, who you are as a person in Jesus Christ, would be the greatest gift that you have to give your spouse on your wedding day. Have that be the greatest gift that you give your spouse on your wedding day. Because that's the only thing that really matters, right? And I'll tell you this, if you can't answer those first two questions, if I am not sure about what Jesus' love actually looks like in my life, and if I'm not a complete person, I'm in need, uh, it tells me that there's work to be done. Don't be in a hurry. Just be patient. The fourth question is, am I looking for a healthy person in a healthy place? Um, This is going to be really quick. Please don't, if you're looking for like a godly Christian spouse, don't go to a hookup app because you're not going to find them there. And you might like argue that, well, I heard this one story and it worked out. They might be the exception, but you probably won't be. And so look for your future spouse. uh, If you want to marry a godly person, look for them in a place that they might actually be. It's like really simple, but you'd be surprised as to how many people struggle with that. All right. You find manure in manure piles. It's that simple, okay? So, uh, <laughs> anyways. All right, so, question number five. Question number five. Am I, now this is, this is a saucy one. Am I, acti- am I actively pursuing sexual purity in my life? Right? Yes, we're going to go there tonight. We're going to talk about sex real quick. We're going to get really real. We're going to get really raw with you guys. Is that okay? All right. 
This is why we're talking about this. Now, there is a wide spectrum of beliefs and things that people think about this. And I want you to know that what we are here to tell you tonight is what the Word of God says about this topic. And what the world says is that as long as two people have consent, anything is fair game, right? What the Word of God says is that sex has been designed by God to be enjoyed in the confines of a marriage relationship, okay? Now, the, the question always gets obviously raised up is why? Why would he do that, all right? Well, here's what we need to understand about sex is that you didn't invent sex, okay? I don't believe biology invented sex. I believe the God of the universe invented sex, okay? And if he invented it, he probably knows how it is best used, right? God is the ultimate love doctor, you guys, all right? And so do what he prescribes is what I'm trying to say. And if you do that, it will be best enjoyed, all right? Don't tweet me on that or anything like that, <laughs> all right? Goes for you, Max Belzer, all right? So, so here's the deal, all right? There, there is, now I'm going to give you a quick why here. Any science majors in here? Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of dumb this down for everybody. If you have more questions about this, I can go into what every single chemical is named and what it does. But when you have sex with someone, there are chemicals that are secreted in your endocrine system. There are hormones that kind of go all throughout your body that make you do funny things and make you sometimes do really stupid things, all right? And... Uh, and those chemicals actually have a designed purpose. Psychologists call this the narrowing process. The narrowing process is designed to get you to stop thinking about everything else that's going on around you and to make you concentrate on one thing and one thing alone. There are several different chemicals that get secreted in your body. One of them relieves stress. In other words, it takes your mind off of every single thing that's going around and is surrounding your world, okay? So now all of a sudden you're done thinking about everything else, okay? And then the next chemical that comes in is a chemical that actually has the ability to enhance your memory, okay? So what does that look like? Well, that looks like now you've stopped focusing on the world. You are focusing on one person, and now you are going to remember what has just happened. So now you're going to dwell on it the next day. And you're going to think about that person. And you're going to think about how much fun that was. And you're going to think about how beautiful that was. And then the last chemical is a chemical that actually relaxes your entire body and relaxes your, relaxes your brain. Okay? Which causes you to create a connection with that person as a lot of times you fall asleep next to that person. Okay, so what is this designed to do? This is designed to make you focus on one person and one person alone. So can you see the damage that could be caused when all of a sudden we have multiple partners that we are having a drug that is actually causing us to remember, enhance our memory on things? Do you see why God designed this for one man and one woman? See, it wasn't because he was a killjoy. It was because he loves us and he wants the best for us. Go ahead. I, 
we need to trust that God, like Steve was saying, do we trust God's love for us? Like he created the thing. And so is there a chance that the God of the universe that created you and me and this incredible thing that he would know more than me and that we could lay down our pride and say, God, I trust, even if it doesn't make sense or it doesn't go with my emotions or my feelings, I trust you enough to believe you and listen to you. I, I guarantee our culture says that this is just like, it can just be whatever. Like you can just go have sex with anyone and it's, it's just, it's fine. You're not going to get hurt by it. But I guarantee that anyone in this room that has been hurt by sexuality knows that it's not just nothing. It's deep. It goes deep and it's personal and it hurts like, like nothing else can hurt. And so there it can't, it can't just be physical. There's got to be something more. And I trust that God knows what that is. If, if true love is not selfish and it protects, I think that has to be our motivation, that we love that other person enough not to just go have sex with them, but to protect them and to live selflessly. Even if it doesn't feel good at the time to say no, God knows best, and like true love means waiting and to live selflessly and protect that other person because you actually love them. Okay, so let's look down the road a little ways, okay? Because when you're living right now in life, it is so easy, again, to get focused on just what is in front of you and forget about the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 50 years of your life, okay? God wants to bless you in this area for the rest of your life. I really do believe that. And that's why he always is guiding us and saying, no, 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 let's, let's do this the way I have created it to do. See, we all, bring, we all bring baggage into a relationship in this area, right? If we've been with a lot of different people, all of a sudden we start to have unrealistic expectations when we get into a marriage. If you're looking at a ton of different images on the Internet, you're going to have unrealistic e expectations when you get into marriage, okay? And now we're going to get really real in here. The age at which young, right, which men start to struggle with ED has been lowering every single year. Now, I know that's really disgusting and weird, and you're like, why is this pastor talking about this, all right? But here's the deal, is that think about the hurt that that would cause in a marriage. If all of a sudden your spouse can't live up to the things that you've looked at on the Internet, or the things that you have brought into your life. And all of a sudden, your spouse is hurt because she has been replaced by someone or something else. You see how that causes pain in our lives? You see how that, that can't have a place in a healthy marriage? If you can't, now this is so important, you guys. If you can't say no now, you won't be able to say no later. If you can't say no now, you won't be able to say no later. You can't all of a sudden wake up one morning and be like, I'm married now. I'm going to stop being selfish. No. In fact, if you talk to any married person, they will tell you that the number one thing that they learn is how selfish they actually are in the first year of marriage. Okay? Talk to any married person in this room. They will tell you that. Man, I didn't realize how selfish of a person I actually was. If you can't say no now, you will never be able to say no later. 
And now the same thing is true on the flip side. If you can't say no now, you will never be able to say yes later. What do I mean by that? The devil is very crafty, and he knows the power of sex. He knows the power of sex to hurt us very deeply, and he knows the power of sex to draw two people together in an incredibly close-knit sort of way that nothing else can do. He knows how beautiful it is. And so the devil is going to do this. You talk to any married person, they're going to tell you that this is true. He will do everything that he possibly can do to you to get you to start having sex before marriage. And as soon as you say, I do, he will do everything that he possibly can do to get you to stop having sex after you get married. You see, if you can't say no now, it means that there is selfishness in your life. And if there's selfishness in your life, it will be impossible to serve your spouse in this area of your relationship in the future. The best sex is enjoyed when both people are totally acting selflessly. They are there to serve the other person. That is when sex is best enjoyed. And if you can't say no now, and if you can't kill your selfish self now, and kill those desires now, then when you get into marriage, it will be all about what I want, what I want, what I want, what I want. And I got news for you. There, you're, <laughs> I don't know, is this, is this getting too real and raw? Are you guys okay? <laughs> so there's a few people in the back, they're like, yeah, just stop, Steve. <laughs> you gotta put a disclaimer out there. So, uh, yeah, here's the deal, is that, this this is gonna this is gonna sound disappointing, but your you know your sexual physique self prime all right isn't going to last very long all right. <laughs> Eventually, some of you are gonna grow some guts in here, and some of you are gonna have some stretch marks in some places, and all of a sudden you know you're uh, I'm real tough right. <laughs> all of a sudden that isn't gonna that isn't gonna really be around anymore. Eventually, that's going to fade away, and see God is so good to us that I believe, and this is going to gross you out, but I believe he wants to have us enjoy sex for the rest of our lives. And see, if it's about us, if it's about us, we're not going to be able to do that with a spouse. And I got news for you, when you're 50 years old, it's going to be a lot harder to pick up women, guys, all right? Same thing to you, girls. It's going to be a lot harder to pick up men. So just get, like, we got to get this in our brains now that, this is going to be best enjoyed if we start to practice the art of being selfless. And the only person that knows how to do that is Jesus. Okay. Cool. If you have questions about this, please come talk to us. If you're like, Steve, I don't agree with you at all. I'd love to talk to you about this because this is something that, that, that we, our desire is not to make you guys set a follow, set, follow a set of rules. Our desire is to make sure that you have the healthiest marriages in the future. And part of having a healthy marriage is having a very healthy sex life. That's why we're passionate about this. Okay, awesome. Number six, go ahead, Steve. The final question to ask yourself is, if I have hurt, have I given God time and permission to heal me? <laughs> God wants to heal us not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. Um, and relationships and all of what we've talking about can inc like hurt deeper, like I was saying, deeper than you ever thought possible. But 
I just want to encourage you guys, like, God wants to heal you. And part of that means that we need to give him permission to heal us. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, if you, sometimes it's easy when you're in a relationship and you break up to just bounce into something else to get your mind off of it and bounce into another relationship. But give t- God time to heal you. Don't do a rebound. It's not going to be healthy. And it's not going to give you time to actually, like, wholly heal from that last relationship. The Bible says in this passage that we read today that God, that love protects, it does not keep a record of wrongs, mm-hmm. it perseveres, and it always hopes. So here's the deal. We just got done talking about a lot of s- sex stuff. And Aaron just got done saying that sex is not just physical. And many of you have had things happen in your life that have hurt very, very deeply. Some of you, as we have been talking about this, you said, oh, great, well, I've kind of completely hose myself over because I have a very, I have a very actively, I've had a very active sexual past, and now what am I supposed to do? Steve just told me that my marriage is hosed. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that God is so good that his love protects, that it doesn't keep a record of wrongs, that it always perseveres and always hopes. That if you go to the Lord tonight and you say, God, this is something that I want to hand to you, he is going to restore I believe emotional healing into your heart, that he is going to restore things that you thought that you could never have back, and he's going to start to restore those things. If people did things to you without your consent, without things that, that, things that you didn't want to have happen, I believe God is going to bring healing to your heart, and I believe that healing is going to start tonight. For some of you, you have had past examples in this area of, of, of life try to define you. You've said, there's no way I'm ever going to have a serious relationship. There's no way I'm ever going to commit. There's no way marriage is ever going to be part of my life because all I've ever heard, all I've ever seen happen in marriage is that I've, all I've ever seen it cause is hurt. All I've ever seen it cause is pain. All I've ever seen it cause is fights. My parents are divorced. My mom's on her second marriage, third marriage, whatever it is. It's all you've ever seen. God wants to help you redefine what healthy marriage looks like. I believe he's going to heal your heart tonight. And the worship team can come back up. Guys, I I want you to know that God, and this has been on our hearts all week, that God wants to give you a clean slate in this area. He wants to give you a clean slate in this area. You see, God's love is good. And that's the first step, right? That was the first question that we had talked about is that you need to recognize that God's love is good and that part of that love is forgiveness and restoration and healing. We talked about self, self-worth tonight. You've got to understand that Jesus is giving you a new identity. That he wants to say, hey, you've been made a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Meaning that he is going to restore things in your heart. And that you don't need to be identified by your past, by the things that you have done, by the things you've done to other people, or by the things that have done to you. You don't need to be defined by that anymore. God wants to bring healing And make you whole so that instead of just looking for the one to bring you completion, you can be complete yourself. And he can start to work on your heart. And he can start to work on your life. And so that his desires would become your desires. And if you're here tonight and you have past addictions to different sexual things, I believe God is going to set you free from those things. I want to close with a story uh, about my dear friend. Her name is Kay, and I share this story with her permission 
K uh, uh, was, is my uh, campus pastor's wife. When Kay uh, was much younger, when she was in her 20s, there was a man who approached her and uh, through a series of events ended up raping Kay. And she would find out later that during that rape, she contracted from this guy a sexually transmitted disease. And we're being real tonight, so I'm going to tell you what it was. It was genital warts. And they were so nasty and so bad that she had to go see her gynecologist on a consistent basis to help get treatment for these things. And the doctor said that it will be a miracle if you are ever able to have a healthy sex life. It will be a merry miracle if you ever are able to, to actually mother children. And even if you are, you will never, I guarantee, you will never, ever have children in natural birth. We will need to do C-sections. There's no way that this is going to work. Kay was incredibly angry, as you w- probably all of us would be. She was incredibly hurt. She was incredibly bitter. She was hurt to the core. Not only did this guy rob something from her and make her feel incredibly violated, but he left her with this disease that was going to alter the rest of her life. And one day, a pastor approached her, and they and she told this pastor this story. And the pastor looked at her, and he said, Kay, you need to forgive this guy for what he did to you. And she yelled at him, and she said, are you kidding me? There's absolutely no way that that would ever happen. You know what this guy did to me? You have no idea the pain that I walk through every single day, emotionally and physically, because of the things that he did. There's absolutely no way. And a week went by, and he, she ran into this pastor again. He said, hey, Kay, have you forgiven that guy yet? He says, no, this is not going to happen. And this went on for many weeks. And eventually, Kay made the decision, even though she didn't mean it, she said, God, she said, I forgive this guy and help me actually mean it that I forgive him. It was a week later that Kay went to a church service. And at that church service, They were calling people forward to come and receive prayer for physical and emotional and and situational healing. And that night, someone laid their hands on Kay, and the power of God came upon her. And God's power came upon her so heavily that she literally fell to the floor. And when she woke up, her bitterness was gone. And her sexually transmitted disease was completely gone. No joke. She was completely and 100% healed physically that night. She got a call three months later from her doctor. And he said, are you, Kate, what are you doing? Like, you have to come see me. Like, we can't let this stuff get out of control. Like, what are you, you what is going on? She goes, oh, don't worry about it. God healed me. And he goes, I don't believe you. You have to come in and see me. This is ridiculous. She came in, and the doctor, who was not a believer, was absolutely flabbergasted. And it is written in Kay's medical file that it is a mira- it was a miracle. That is the only way the doctor knew how to describe what had happened. There's no reason. There's the, the, never in history have I ever seen a medically recorded case of this stuff going away. 
You guys, I want you to know tonight that if there is hurt, if there is past pain in your life because of things that have happened, because of things that have been done to you or that you have done, I believe God wants to bring healing and restoration to you. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I just want to take a chance to be able to pray. If your past needs healing, if there are people you need to forgive, if there are things that you need God to set you free from tonight, and you realize that you are not a whole person because there's some deep hurt, just raise a hand in this place. Okay, hands are going up all over the place. You are not alone. We're going to pray for you in a little bit, but I want to ask another question. If you realize that you need a love adjustment, perspective adjustment, you need to understand Christ's love more. You need to understand your self-worth more in Christ. You need to, you need to work on becoming the right one. You need to make the hard decision to, to pursue purity. Maybe tonight you realize that, that there, you are in an unhealthy relationship. And in order for you to be whole and for you to be healthy, that, that it needs to end. And maybe God is saying, just be patient for a while. Whatever it is, just as a way to say, God, I'm committing to this, to you. Not to raise your hand to make Steve feel better or whatever. Just raise your hand to say, God, I am committing to this area, whatever that was. Just raise a hand up real high to say, God, that is, that is me. I'm doing that tonight. I'm making a commitment in one of those areas. Thank you. You can put your hands down. My last question is this, is if you're here tonight and Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, or maybe you've had a relationship with Christ in the past, you've let it grow cold, and tonight you would like to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and experience his love, just raise a hand in this place. Is that for anybody? Okay. All right, so if you raise your hand to that question, I'm going to ask that you would pray in your heart and repeat this prayer in your heart like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize that I have sinned and that my sin has separated me from you. But tonight, I'm asking for the forgiveness that you made available to me through dying for me on the cross. And I'm asking for strength to turn away from my old ways and to live in relationship and in friendship with you for the rest of my life. And if you raise your hand to one of those first questions, I'm going to pray over those people who need healing. If you would just open your hands as a sign of saying, God, I, I need to receive something from you. If you would just open your hands. God, I believe that you want to bring healing and restoration tonight to these people who need healing and restoration. God, would you take away pain in Jesus' name? Would you start the process of taking away bitterness in Jesus' name? I pray for those who need to forgive people who have done things to them. I pray that they forgive them tonight in Jesus' name. I pray that for those who have, have such deep emotional pain that they don't know how to sort it all out, Jesus, that they would be able to run to you. And God, I pray for those who need a love adjustment. God, for those who need to understand your love, would you reveal it to them? For those who need to understand their self-worth, would you show them their identity in you? For those who need to work on an area of their life through your Holy Spirit, would you help them, Lord God? For those who have committed to making a hard decision, 
that they know in order to bring you glory that there's some things going on in their life that need to stop, that need to be adjusted, that need to end. Lord, would you give them strength to be able to do that? And for those who need patience in this place, to before to that they would be able to have the strength to stop thinking in terms of a relationship selfishly and that they would be able to pursue you and so that they wouldn't need a relationship.